Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole, first down, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Raiders, would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off another week, Raider Nation. Very excited about what we have for you on today's show. Very excited where I just was. I was hanging out in Henderson. I'm still hanging out in Henderson, as a matter of fact. But I was hanging out at the Dollar Loan Center, and it's a uh, it was it was cool, man. I didn't really know what I was going there to to hear or what I was going to go see. But there's so much going on in the Las Vegas community. Obviously, on the Strip, we have Allegiant Stadium, T-Mobile Arena. I mean, there's so much going on. The Michelob Ultra Arena. Well. In Henderson, we have the Dollar Loan Center, and the Henderson uh, Silver Knights, they play there, and the Nighthawks, the IFL team, the Indoor Football League, play there as well. So uh, I just came from the Dollar Loan Center, finding out that the IFL is going to have a three-year partnership with the city of Henderson, with the DLC, to actually have their championship games played right here in our community. So I just thought that that was really awesome. That was really uh, the first time I had been inside the DLC, and it's set up right now for indoor, indoor football as they had a game yesterday. And I'll tell you, man, as, as anyone who follows me on Twitter, at your boy Q254, you could tell by some of the pictures I tweeted out, that place is cool looking. I mean, you want to talk about an awesome venue. The DLC is a really fantastic venue. And, of course, you know, Legion Stadium is going to be the cream of the crop, right? It's going to be the best stadium here in town. But you have these smaller venues that are so nice. You know, the LV Aces actually have another place on the way. You know, this DLC has just been opened up for the Silver Knights and, and the Nighthawks to play as well. But there's so many off spots that are great, too. You know, T-Mobile Arena where the Golden Knights play. There's just so many great venues. Days like today make me realize why I'm so happy to be here in Las Vegas. I've been here less than a year, but, man, it's days like this that make me really, really proud to be here and to know how much the sports community is growing. I mean, it's one thing to go to the strip and do this, that, and the other and have a good time with your buddies or whatever, fly into town for three days and have a great time. That's great. But to know that there's so many different events coming to town and so many sporting events and so many teams. You know, we had the, the Vegas Devil Dog, uh, Desert Dog, excuse me, that we had the lacrosse team. We were talking about them. They're coming. I mean, there's just so many different venues that are opening up and so many teams that are coming to our community. It is a lot of fun. If you ever are looking for something to do with your family, that is not go to the MGM or go to Caesars or go, you know, walk around Fremont Street or stuff like I would normally do when I'm looking for something to do now you can go to all these different events and especially the the off the off sites like the dlc the dollar loan center if you want to go see uh, a silver knights game or you want to go see you know the indoor football league for about i don't know a quarter of the price that you're going to pay to go to a raider game you can go be entertained with the whole family yeah exactly exactly you know what i mean so it's just it's just another option to have and uh, I really, really do enjoy being here and being a part of this and seeing this thing continue to grow and grow and grow. And please believe it is not done anytime soon. So that was uh, happening earlier today. The IFL announced a three-year partnership to bring the championship game starting this year, 
So the championship of 2022 is going to be played right around the corner from my house here in Henderson at the DLC at a fantastic venue. So throughout the course of the show today, you'll hear from Governor Sisolak. Yeah, he was in attendance. It's kind of a big deal when the governor's there, right? I mean, you know it's a big deal when the governor makes an appearance. So uh, he made an appearance. He talked to, to us the, in the media. You'll hear from him. You'll hear from Chuck. Who's Chuck? The owner of the DLC. We hear him on the commercials all the time. Uh, he's the guy that got his name on the side of the building. He's a guy that, you know, has really been a, a very major part in getting that DLC built. So you'll hear from him. Just, you know, these are just group sessions, so it's only a couple minutes here and there. But just to talk about the importance, because some people might not realize how big of a deal it is to have these events coming to town. So you'll hear from Governor Sisolak. You'll hear from Chuck. And you'll also hear from Commissioner Todd as uh, he was there, and he's the commissioner of the IFL. So I uh, had a fun little conversation with him and then to be able to get back into my car right around the block and uh, head to the house and, and be able to jump on the radio with Damon, it is such a pleasure so uh, Raider Nation when I tell you that I thank you and uh, what we do here is we really try to work and, and do as much as we can and bring you as much as we can Raiders or not I mean because uh, we talk other, other sports as well we talk LV Aces we talk UNLV I mean we just bring you a lot we try to bring you as much as possible and let it be known that we're really working hard in this community so with that being said Damon's in the home studio Damon coming off a, a busy weekend. I'm attention to that Grizzlies and Warriors series, and they'll play again tonight. Hopefully, John Morant's able to go. It doesn't look like that he's going to be able to. That's unfortunate, but how are you doing coming off the weekend, man? It, it's been a minute since I've seen you. Matter of fact, I think I haven't seen you since Friday, since we were hanging out at Parkway Tavern. Uh, it, was a, it was a pretty busy weekend. I mean, I wish that the only thing I regret is that I didn't go down and see Josh Jacobs at the camp. That's that's the only yeah. regret that I have. But yeah, pretty good weekend. I mean, had fun, and I'm so ready to get started on the show today. And you said John Morant, you know, like he tweeted out, Jordan Poole broke the code. You know, <laughs> I'm not even gonna get involved in that. I've heard so much. <laughs> I've heard so much code talk between the Warriors and the Grizzlies. I'll say this, and then I, and then we'll move on. I love this little rivalry that has become the Warriors and the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are built and they're building just like the Warriors were built years ago and built themselves up. They got a couple of superstars there, and of course they have John Morant is a superstar, but they have a lot of homegrown talent. And the same way that the Warriors were able to finally put it together, uh, led by Mark Jackson originally, then handed the, the sticks over to Steve Kerr and he got him over the hump, I mean, the, the Grizzlies are doing the same thing, and I, I do enjoy watching them play. So uh, you've got a really good team to root for. Uh, so if they don't get it done this year and don't you know continue to advance for one reason or the other, don't you worry because that team, as long as they continue to build, they're going to be fantastic. They are a fun team to watch, and I know nobody ever wants to hear like, well, get them next year. No, it's not about that. <laughs> it's just about the team growing. You can feel confident that that team's headed in the right direction. Yeah, and you talk about the rivalry. This rivalry has been building for a few years now because of Andre Iguodala. Yeah. When the Grizzlies traded for him, he was just like, nope, yeah. I'm not coming. I'm not showing up to work, so y'all can just buy me out because he wanted to go back to the Warriors so bad. So this has been building for a few years now. Yeah, no, it has. And, and look, he's an older cat, you know what I mean? So at his point in his career, he kind of had the right to be like, hey, I don't really want to go there, be a part of a building thing. And I think that that worked out okay for the Grizzlies anyway. But they have some nice players. Jaw, I like Desmond Bain. He's been really a no-show so far. But he's got Desmond, a back injury. Hey, Desmond Bain is fantastic, man. That dude can uh, fire out some shots. Of course, they got Jackson. Uh, he can hit a three-point. He got the ugliest shot ever. But <laughs> he's got an ugly shot, but it goes in, so I can't knock it. Hey, you know what I mean? The results are there. 
the results are there. I'm not going to knock it, but his his shot is pretty ugly. Uh, but, man, it's it's a fun series. Of course, they'll get underway later on this evening. Coming up on today's show, uh, we got a lot to get to as well. Dan Lust, he's a sports attorney. He's been on ESPN. He's been on Fox Sports. we got to get him on because I don't know what the next step is. Of course, we all found out on Friday that Dan Ventrelli was fired by the Raiders. They put out their statement. We talked about it quite a bit on the show on Friday. And uh, Mark Davis hasn't had a whole lot to say about that situation. Uh, briefly spoke with our Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Review Journal and basically said that, hey, Ventrelli was never actually the official president, which is funny because when – I don't want to say funny. When he got fired, I remember I tweeted and I said the interim president – has been let go, and everyone's like, that's the president. He's the official president. I was like, oh, my bad. I missed the announcement. My fault. So I assumed that that was gospel. And Well, come to find out from Mark Davis, he was never actually the president. He was the interim president and never was given the full-time title. Uh, and, again, this, this situation, we've seen what Dan Ventrelli has said. We know Vinny Bonsignor, our own Vinny Bonsignor, has put out a piece. Mick Akers put out a piece. Ed Granny's put out a piece. There's been a lot of different pieces put out through the RJ uh, about what's going on, but – I don't know the next step when there's allegations of, you know, workforce, uh, you know, just um, hazard in the work work building, you know, just a, a, a bad environment. You know, it's just it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of pointing the finger. And so I want to get to the bottom of, OK, so what's the next step? What does Dan Ventrelli have to do? What is Mark Davis, you know, trying to do? What everything has to go on? So we'll talk to Dan uh, about these situations. And I feel like I've talked to him way too many times in the last year. So whenever I talk to him, that means that something legal has gone on. And so this is uh, another thing that is legally, uh, you know, one of those situations where you just kind of wait and see and how it all plays out. Uh, don't throw mud against the wall. I'm not trying to do anything like that. But just want to, uh, you know, find out from Daniel's point of view, you know, kind of the steps that are going to be taken, what the NFL is going to have to do, uh, you know, what kind of investigation, how quickly they need to get things wrapped up. And I had someone ask me earlier today, I was doing a radio hit on ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, and I believe Ed Graney asked me, how quickly does this need to get resolved? Does it have to get resolved before they, they actually appoint a president? And at first I thought, yes. And then I thought, well, maybe not. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, I thought it was a very good question. So uh, we'll talk to Daniel coming up at 2.30 about all these different legalities and what we should expect as, as the media and also just the general public of what direction things are going to go and how this is all going to shake out. That comes up at 2.30. At 3 p.m., Mike Sando from The Athletic, he'll join the show to talk about a piece that he put out, a really good piece where uh, executives across the league – commented and talked about all 32 teams draft classes and so I thought that that was a really good piece I actually enjoyed reading that over the weekend and uh, you know there was a lot of there was a lot of conversations that were to be had and of course the AFC West is going to be probably the toughest division in football they had a lot to say about the division and one team outside of the division that they talked about that it, they didn't talk about as highly as I would think that they would is the Baltimore Ravens, and that's a team that I talk about quite a bit that I really respect the way that they do things and the way that they, uh, you know, they go through the draft. I feel like they always do a really good job, and the executives weren't very impressed with what the Baltimore Ravens did, and they said, oh, if they drafted a punter in the first round, everyone would say that it was a great move because Baltimore did it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just not. And, and some of the picks that they made, they felt like were big-time reaches. And so uh, there's a lot to, to unpack there. So Mike Sando will join us at 3 o'clock to talk all things that piece he put out in The Athletic and just kind of post-draft conversation. Then at 3.30, we'll have Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll join the show. And, Damon, you mentioned Josh Jacobs and his camp. I wanted to get out to his camp on Saturday as well, but I had a radio show that I was doing. 
me in, so I couldn't get out there. Uh, it started at 5 o'clock, and my radio show started at 7, so there's just no way I was going to be able to get out there. Uh, Josh Jacobs thing didn't end until 8. I was, there was just no way it was going to happen. So I didn't get to get out there either, but she was out there. So we'll talk to her about what she saw from Josh Jacobs' camp. She was also at the DLC just a little while ago. I ran into her a little bit. You'll actually hear her on some of the audio that we have from uh, everything that was going on with the IFL just a few minutes ago. She was on that as well. And I said, oh, cool, I'll talk to you at 3.30. She's like, yep, talk to you at 3.30. So uh, you'll hear from Paloma. She'll also talk about the LV Aces as they're 2-0 and on the season. We had the watch party on Friday at Parkway Tavern uh, and, and – yeah, Flamingo and 215. It was fantastic. I had never been into that one. See, I'm learning new places all the time. I go to the Parkway Tavern in uh, the district, which is here in Henderson all the time because it's around the corner from my house. I had no idea how fantastic the one on Flamingo and 215 was and how many different activities they had, but uh, we appreciate everyone who came out. I know uh, Jason and Demi were out there. We had a good time hanging out. Uh, Jared and Damon made an appearance, and there was a lot of folks that were there enjoying their Friday night, kicking into Mother's Day weekend. And uh, I, so I definitely appreciate all the, all the people that came and hung out with us. And, uh, yeah, that's what we did on Friday. So uh, we saw the first LV Aces game. They, they won against the Phoenix Mercury in Arizona. And then yesterday on Mother's Day they opened up their – home opener and they won uh, they played Seattle and they blew them out so they're 2-0 and on the season Becky Hammonds her coaching debut for the the Aces is off to a pretty good start and I'll say this Damon I don't know how much Aces you've been watching they play fast man they play fast and they're they're playing a fun style of ball if this is what we're in for all year oh boy you better buckle up man it's gonna be a lot of fun Oh, yeah, especially the, the game, the first game against the Phoenix Mercury, where you could just see Liz Cambage, she's now with the Sparks, but her leaving, that absence of just the the super big, that 6'8", that, that's going to take a look, that's going to lumber up the court. They've gotten her out of that system, and now they are free to just run, 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 and it is a better style of play because it's just so entertaining to watch. It really is. It really is. So, man, I know it's a small sample size. It's only two games, so I'm not trying to crown them the champions already. But, man, it's been fun. It really has. If you've never gone to an Aces game when they're at the Michelob Ultra Arena, I definitely encourage you to do it. Kelsey Plum is back in the starting lineup where she should have been all along, where she'll tell you she should have been all along. She hated coming off the bench. Even though she won sixth, uh, sixth player of the year award last year, she hated that role. So uh, excited to see her back in the starting lineup and see what Asia Wilson and company are able to do Chelsea Gray. All those uh, young ladies are fantastic to watch. So very excited by uh, what we're able to see here in this Las Vegas area with all the local teams. So now you know the guest lineup for the show today. Also, like I mentioned, you're going to hear from Governor Sisolak. You'll hear from Chuck and Commissioner Todd, all from the IFL, talking about their three-year partnership to bring another championship to this Las Vegas community. Let's go ahead and jump into now the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now, I was going to start off and have a topic about the games as the schedules are going to be fully released on Thursday, and we know we're getting a slow drip process. We found out this morning that there's actually going to be two Monday night football games to start the season off with, and that's fine. Uh, it's going to be a very slow drip process throughout the course of the week. I was going to start off talking games that you want to – you want to see games that you're looking forward to as we know the opponents. We just don't know when and where they'll be played. We know what teams will be road games for the Raiders. We know what games are going to be home games. So I was going to go in that direction. But instead, because there's been a couple roster moves that have been made so far by the Silver and Black, I really want to talk about and focus in on uh, a particular guy that has finally been released from the New York football giants, and that is James Bradbury, the defensive back. Yeah, I thought it was going to happen on Friday. It became official today that he is released. So I want to throw it out there to you, Raider Nation. Uh, do you think? 
because some people have told me on Twitter that, hey, not a good fit, Q. It's not going to be a guy that you want to bring in. I don't think the Raiders should go do that. Now, I don't think that that's true. <laughs> I just don't. I think that would be a, a, a bad decision for the Raiders to ignore uh, James Bradbury. I think he's a big-time player, but he's been officially released. So would you want to bring him in? Do you think that the Raiders should bring him in and why? And remember this. There's going to be a big market for James Bradbury. The Raiders can't afford him right now. They can't afford him right now on May 9th. They don't have enough, uh, they don't have enough coin for him right now. They don't have enough salary cap space. But post-June 1st, they will. I don't know what James Bradbury is looking for. I don't know if he has a, a, a place that he wants to go. I don't know if he's looking at the Raiders and saying, hey, I'd like to reunite with Patrick Graham. He was a really good defensive coordinator. I had a really good season last year. Would love to be back with him. I don't know what his thoughts are. But if he's going, as some have mentioned, he's going to go to the highest bidder, that's probably not going to be the Raiders because they don't have that coin right now. Now, if they're going to go and, and he wants to get a, a, nicer, a nicer contract from the Raiders, if that indeed is a destination that he wants, he'd have to wait until post-June 1st, which he can do that. It's not like there's a whole lot of activities going on between now and June 1st, right? He can definitely uh, sit there and hold out and you know, start to work on whatever. And maybe he's already talked to Patrick Graham. Maybe he's already worked out something. I don't know. I would hope so. Because I think that that was an area that was not addressed uh, enough during free agency, and I don't think the cornerback position was addressed at all in the draft. Now, I know they grabbed a couple during uh, the, the post-draft, during under, undrafted uh, free agency, but I think that they really need to get a veteran corner. So, Raider Nation, I want to turn it over to you, and I want to get your thoughts on it, 702-365-9200. That is the Raider Nation listener line. Of course, the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Do you think that the Raiders need to go make a move for James Bradbury and why. Hit us up and let us know about it. I do want to let you know about another roster move that has been made today that is official. The Raiders, and it just came over by way of email about, I don't know, about 30 minutes ago. I was on my way out of the Dollar Loan Center, and uh, this came over said the Raiders have signed free agent linebacker Kenny Young. Young is a 6'1", 235-pound linebacker. He's been with the Ravens, the Rams, the Broncos. He was a fourth-round pick from the Ravens back in 2018. He played in 59 career games, 25 starts, 186 tackles, five-and-a-half sacks, a pick, four passes defense, four forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. Uh, he was playing for the, the Broncos. He was acquired by the Broncos by, by way of trade last year. Played all 13 games, played, started all 13 games that he played in, excuse me, with the Rams and Broncos, had 75 total tackles, uh, two sacks, one pass defense, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Uh, so there you go. That is the roster addition, some linebacking depth, which I know that a lot of people have called this show and said, hey, I think they need to add a linebacker. Well, there you go. Kenny Young is a dude who can absolutely play. I like him as far as depth goes. I, I like it that he's not a guy that they expect to go in there and be an immediate starter, kind of like what they had to do last year when all of a sudden all their linebackers started to go down and they had to go make some moves quick, fast, and a hurry, and just so happens that it worked out. Denzel Perryman ended up being a great gem that they went and made a trade for, and then they brought in K.J. Wright as well. So uh, I, liked it. I liked the signing. Uh, Kenny Young is now a member of the Raiders. In, in, in turn, they had to release a linebacker, Justin March. March had played in 61 games with five starts over a six-year career. Uh, he was a guy that was going to play more on special teams than he would as a linebacker. So uh, I like the trade-off. Bring in Kenny Young and release Justin March. I'm okay with that. I believe the Raiders have about 88, 89 so players right now on the roster. They can have 90 max. And so there you go. Uh, that's the roster moves that have been made. But like I said, I definitely want to hear from you, and I want to hear from you about James Bradbury now that he's officially out there and available, 702-365-9200. Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Got a text from somebody, uh, from Steve from Reno, talking about the Grizzlies. Actually, the Grizzlies are very similar to the Titans. They ain't one blank. 
<laughs> that was Raider Steve from Reno. So Raider Steve fired a shot at you, Damon. Um, I wasn't going there. I wasn't firing no shots on you because I respect what the Grizzlies got going on. I think it's a fun, fun uh, team for sure in a fun city. So I, I'm not mad. Uh, Raider Steve is not giving you no love. Though. Hold on, Q. You just said something there. What? Fun city. He can't take shots at anybody. He lives in Reno. Oh, wow. See, I'm not a turf war guy, man. I'm not a turf war guy. You know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not trying to go there. But I get it. I get what you're saying. Uh, that Raider Steve did say, go Dubs, go Raiders. I could, I could appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Now they're, uh, he's firing a bunch of shots. A shot uglier than DeMond's. Oh, man. Why is everyone firing up on you today? Dang. Somebody just called me ugly? Whoa, what no, were you about to say there? Uh, t- no, uh, yeah, a text from the 408 said a shot uglier than DeMond's. I was talking about <laughs> I was talking about uh, Jackson's shot from the Grizzlies. I, that's so funny, man. That's why I love the Sam and Ash text line because you can fire up and you can say anything you want about anything. So I was talking about how ugly Jackson's shot was in this text. You can read it. I didn't make this up. It says a shot uglier than DeMond's. Dang, you get no love. You get no love. How about this from Sir Whiskey Ray? Let's get serious. Q&D, this is simple. Post-June 1st, we'll have money to spend. I think it'd be a great idea to bring in Bradbury. Of course, let's not spend our whole cap space. If it's reasonable, I think it'd be the Raiders' best interest to make a move for Bradbury. We can never have enough depth in the secondary. I hope he'll take a pay cut. And best of all, no state taxes in Nevada. Cheers from Sir Whiskey Ray. And... Yeah, you're right. You don't want to go and just spend the bag, which I think this this new front office, I think they're smarter than that. The regime is way smarter than just go ahead and throw a ton of money. I mean, remember, they were in on Stephon Gilmore, and they didn't get him because they weren't going to – they were only going to spend a certain amount of money. That's what I've learned about this regime. They have something set, and they're not going to go over it, and I think we can all appreciate that, right? That's something that we can all look at and say, yeah, that's a good idea. So, again, if Bradbury feels like that – it's a good fit with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. It would make all the sense in the world. If he feels like he can get a nice little chunk of change on a one, two-year deal, whatever the case may be, similar to what Casey Hayward did, and go in and make an impact, maybe he can double down and get a bigger contract later. I don't know. I don't know what his desires are. Some people, they want to go and get the bag. Like Zay Jones went to Jacksonville and got the bag. Not mad at him. He earned that. You know, he went out there. He worked. He was a good soldier. He didn't have that much shine. Jacksonville came throwing money at him. He took it. That's fine. You know, in this business, you're one play away from not playing again. So you got to get what you can while you can if that's your desire. Some people are look at the destination and say, hey, I'm getting a little bit older. I want a team that I think is going to be a contender. And I think that Bradbury, if you add him to the Raiders' defense, I think that, they, I think that they're a contender for the AFC West anyway. But I think that they'd really be a contender, uh, just another defensive weapon to have going up against these really good quarterbacks in Mahomes, Wilson, and Herbert twice a year. I just, I mean, that's just, you can't have enough weapons. And that's something that Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, actually mentioned early in his, uh, in it when he had a presser talking about, you know, he wants to have four or five guys in the secondary. He wants to have really good players. Don't worry about the scheme fit. I want to make sure I have really good players. Bradbury is a really good player, so. Raider Nation, we want to hear from you, Sir Whiskey Ray. Thank you for that text. I do appreciate it. 702-365-9200. Damon, who's up first? Uh, we, uh, no callers so far. Oh, okay, perfect. All right, here we go. Let's get another text. Geese Mode said, go get Bradbury. Cornerback is the only position group currently for the Raiders. Does not have a solid, true number one starter. Bradbury would fill that gap. Let's go Raiders. And I, I agree with that 100%. That's the key. They don't have a true number one. Trayvon Mullen is nice. I like him. Trayvon Mullen's coming off an injury. You know, you know that you have Rocky Sin. He has an opportunity to be a good player, but you've, he's got he's to go out there and prove it. Bradbury is a guy who's a proven commodity. 
I'd rather go with the proven commodity and let the young up-and-comers beat somebody out. With Trayvon Mullen, it's not about talent. It's can he stay on the field. And unfortunately, he's just been – He's been banged up so much. It's just it's a it's a tough part of the game. Some guys are just injury prone. So for him, that's what the case is. He's just injury prone, and he just had another surgery. He had it on his toe. He put out a, a Instagram picture or a Twitter picture, whatever the case may be, and you could tell that it was on his toe, and that's what was he was dealing with last season. So hopefully he's back by training camp. He's ready to rock and roll and uh, ready to get it on. Uh, you know, get out there and, and compete. But again, that's that's something for him. He's got to be able to stay on the field. And then Rocky Sin, he's got an opportunity. And, and that's all he really needs is an opportunity to go out there and show what he can do. Uh, let's see. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us back. DeMond, we love you, bro. No hate on you at all. Only when it's college football season. San Jose State football. So there you go. <laughs> and he's the only fan of that program. So, well, wow. he's got to carry the whole program on his back. Oh, wow. See? See, when, when someone has your back, then all of a sudden you fire up on them. See how you are? You fire slugs when you have that opportunity, right? <laughs> I love it. I'm coming uh, for everybody today. I feel attacked. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true, though. You were kind of attacked. Kind of out the gates. They did kind of come for you. So I understand being backed up against the corner. Well, don't feel bad. I had a dude on Twitter today say, hey, good-looking kid. He must take after his mom. <laughs> so <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got lit up on today, too. So there you go. And I'd like to say that uh, I think I'm a pretty good-looking dude. So, and I, I happen to think that my son looks more like me, but that's just me. Well, you're going to be biased. I don't know anyone who's going to be like, yeah, I'm an ugly son of a gun. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, man. I mean, hey, you know, my son looks a lot like me. <laughs> but, yeah, he fired up on me, like, out of nowhere. I don't even know I don't even know who this dude is. And it's so funny because how the conversation started, and I don't even know why I had a conversation. Sometimes I entertain people, and I waste, like, 10 minutes of my life that I can never get back. This is what it was with this guy. Uh, I had mentioned that Bradbury is available, and I said, hey, you know, I think the Raiders should make a move. And that's when he started talking about Mark Davis's haircut. That's when he started talking about uh, people go to Las Vegas to die. And, you know, he was a, he's a Charger fan. And so, you know, and then he was – I don't know. It was, it was really weird. But then he, he had a weird – you know, he's talking about how I look, but he has a weird picture for a, for a post picture. So, uh, yeah, I went down a rabbit hole that I didn't have to go down. But uh, the, the icing on top was, was him talking about my son. And it, 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 what made it even funnier – it's because I responded like, okay, now, now you're bringing my son into it to talk trash to me? Okay, that's great. To the point where little Q texts me and goes, Dad, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? I was like, I don't know, son. I have no idea. Just keep doing what you're doing at school. Don't worry about me. I, I don't know. I got this guy talking about me, and he's all, what a weirdo. <laughs> well, yeah, and, I, and honestly, for little Q, he was giving him a compliment. Right. The hater on Twitter. Right. No, he was. He was. But little Q knows, hey, man, look, he knows where his roots come from. All right. His name is not Little Tiff. His name is Little Q. <laughs> Two twenty-six is the time. When we come back, we'll be talking to my guy Daniel Lust, sports law attorney. We're gonna get to the bottom of what's going on with the Raiders, what's going on with Mark Davis, Dan Ventrelli, the former president. Just kind of find out the next step and everything legality-wise, because well, I'm not a guy that knows too much about the law. We'll find out next. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up about 245, we'll hear from Raiders quarterback Nate Hobbs and his mom. They were at an event 
on Saturday, right before Mother's Day. It was a really cool event uh, representing Safe House here in Las Vegas. So we'll hear from uh, Nate Hobbs and his mom coming up around 2.45. But right now, joining us on the phone lines here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920 is our guy Daniel Lust, sports attorney. You hear him all over the place. You hear him on Fox. You hear him on ESPN. You hear him all over whenever it's talking about something legal. And he's been on the show multiple times because, well, there's been a lot of legalities that we've talked about here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And Daniel, thank you for your time. We do appreciate you. We found out on Friday that Dan Ventrelli was out as the team president. Mark Davis said he was never actually the official president, but an interim. And Ventrelli, on his side of things, we haven't really heard much from Mark Davis' side of things, but his side of things, he released a statement saying that it was hostile work environment, situations like that, and the fact that he had to report it, and it just it was like a retaliation firing. And, of course, there's multiple sides to each story, but when something like this rolls out with these kind of allegations, what is the next step that has to happen? Well, certainly, first of all, have, thanks for having me on. Uh, I think the first step here is really for the NFL to, to weed into this, right? So I, I read the statement. Um, I think what might be uh, slightly underreported, certainly it's an allegation, um, you know, that Vitrelli is saying he was fired for basically reporting this to the league. But, you know, he gives a little bit of a, a hint about what this is about, right? And he said he wants to protect, I think the comment from Ventrelli was, uh, you know, he wants to protect the female employees from a hostile mm-hmm. work environment. So, you know, you're reading between the lines, that might be an allegation, right, of sexual harassment, sexual uh, assault, something like that, right, toxic workplace. Those are the same type of nature and character allegations that were, uh, you know, that Dan Snyder and his organization over in Washington are being investigated for. And we know the NFL took those very seriously. So next step is probably an NFL investigation if they want to take it up. But, you know, Ventrelli is not, uh, you know, a lower-level employee. He's general counsel and interim president, team president, whatever way you want to call it. But, you know, when a guy like that makes those type of allegations, the league kind of has to respond in, in a formal manner. When they do go in and start looking in, and I know the uh, NFL PR, they put out a statement saying that they were, you know, looking into it. When they do that and they start doing their due diligence, uh, how long do you think that they normally take before they realize, like, okay, this is something that we really need to dig deep into, or when they decide, like, okay, hey, this is, this is not what it looked like on the surface? Well, it depends, right? You know, I think Ben Charlie Stanton, that he's been with the team for a number of years, and mm-hmm. it's unclear, at least to me, how, how deep these allegations go. Are they recent? Or is it just is it, uh, you know, one potential person, two potential person? Or do they, does the organization need to interview, right? Like, uh, you know, you and I didn't talk about it, but there's a, a, a big investigation into the Phoenix Suns and their owner, Robert Sarver, right. for allegations of, you know, really messy stuff, you know, ra- racial comments, sexual harassment, you know, it goes back, but it goes back uh, nearly a decade. So, you know, they, ESPN worked on that story for, and the better part of like a year, so maybe it's going to take a while. We we don't really know how deep these allegations go from a temporal element, how many people are involved. So if you told me it took a year, right, that's how long the, the Washington commander's investigation took. Um, that's probably on the long end of things. I would think it's probably short of that just because we haven't heard any whispers of really anything going on at Raiders HQ. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I, I think uh, that's, you know, that's the long end of what you're looking at. Yeah, it's just it's it's really interesting, and obviously the allegations are very serious, and there's multiple sides to every story. You know, that's what I keep trying to reiterate to everyone. Like, just you can't read into one side, just say, okay, that's gospel. You have to uh, look at all sides and then wait for the truth to actually eventually roll out. But uh, you know, one of the things that was put in the statement was basically like it was a retaliation firing, and 
I would think that that is such a slippery slope to even go down that road if it was, just because, you know, that's like the biggest red flag ever. You know what I mean? Like, that's just one of those situations where uh, re- retaliation firings is so so bad, and, and it just almost, like, screams guilt without there being guilt being scrum, screamed, if you know what I mean. Well, what's interesting is that, like, and if you read the statement very closely, obviously he worked – seems like he worked with a lawyer to put that. He said he has retained counsel. So the guy's a lawyer himself. So maybe he did it, but I would think he worked with his attorney. But he, at least he's saying a statement, he relayed the allegations to the NFL. So whatever it is, the NFL is in possession of them. And, you know, the picture he's trying to paint is that in response to him giving the proof, evidence, whatever it is, emails, pictures, I have no idea what it is, but giving something to the NFL, putting NFL on notice is when, you know, he was terminated. So, you know, if there is a lawsuit that results in this from, you know, wrongful termination, right, that's what would be the basis of his lawsuit against Mark Davis, the timing of when he reported versus when he was fired is going to come into play. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll see why Mark, what, what Mark Davis is going to claim was the reason for him no longer being with the organization. Timing, right, uh, 100% Q. Timing is certainly suspect uh, for, for, you know, an individual who's now going to claim he was fired for reporting these up the chain, which, you know, there are certain whistleblower protections which are not allowed to do that. So, you know, we'll see if it's triggered here. But certainly the timing, I think, is, uh, is certainly something to pay attention to. Yeah, it, it really was. And, again, we're talking with Daniel Lust here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And so I, I was asked this question earlier today, and I really didn't have a good answer for it. But uh, now the team is going to be looking for another president. You know, when I, re- I arrived here in Las Vegas, Mark Bidane was the president. That was last summer. Then he stepped down. Then Vincelli was the interim. And now he's out. So, can they go and hire another president while this is going on, or do they need to wait? Or what do you think? What's the what's the timeline looking like for that? Well, you know, it's funny. Mark Davis he, he's asked to comment on the situation. He goes, just to be clear, Ventrelli was never the president, he right? Was the interim president. So yep. if you ask him, they've only had one president, right? This was, <laughs> this was a Ventrelli was the stopgap. I don't I don't know what the purpose of that clarification was, but that was seemed, seemed very odd. Seemed a little a little petty, if you if you ask me. Um, you know, certainly they could appoint someone else. Um, uh, I think they need to make sure they get this one right after so much turnover in such a short amount of time. Um, I'm not sure how long that would take. Um, you know, the president one is, is one of these roles that, you know, uh, to have a proper running organization, you have to have a president, you have to have a general counsel, you have to have a, you know, financial person. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I remember, Q, speaking of, uh, you know, general counsel, I remember when this Grudence situation blew up. I remember, uh, so not, not necessarily a friend of mine, but somebody, uh, somebody I know got a job in the Raiders, uh, you know, the legal department, and I said, that's, that's a job that's under a lot of pressure right now. Like, wouldn't love to have that one. Same thing with the president, right? You got to wait for the uh, the pressure and the uh, the eyeballs to kind of get off this particular situation before they start trying to hire and replace somebody. Um, so I think that you know it's going to take some time too. I I would gather a couple months uh, in any event before the NFL season, but we still have some time. Would you say that this is a, a situation that's similar to what happened in in Carolina as well? Uh, I mean, it's it's. Tough to say. I mean, are you, uh, are you talking about with Jerry Richardson? Yeah, 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 when Richardson was there, yep. Um, I, again, I, I, I say it's tough to say. I mean, if there's this lawyer answer, like, it depends, right? The, the problem is we don't really know anything about these allegations. Yeah. My only hint that I read was that we want to – the comment on and Ventrelli's statement about female employees, a lot of Robert Sarver's stuff with the Phoenix Suns over in the NBA didn't have any – I mean, uh, certainly some of it was, you know, uh, across gender lines. But not all of it. But the fact that Ventrelli made that point to say, you know, uh, you know to the workplace uh, you know, atmosphere he wasn't comfortable with, and then used the term female employees tells right. me, at least my indication, that it's something of a, of a gender-type issue. So 
Um, I know Jerry Richardson over in Carolina, that was more of, I think the, at least the, the part that got picked up most in the press was the racial element of it. So this seems to be a little different. Again, I'm just reading between the tea leaves here, but um, I, I think the, the female aspect of it is certainly different, uh, at least on its face, than what happened in Carolina. I'll tell you, it's difficult to talk about it because, like you said, we just don't know enough details, right? You know, we've only seen a, one statement, a small statement from one side of things, and then we haven't heard anything from the other side of things. So trying to be fair and just with it is, is difficult because we just don't have enough information. So uh, as far as the NFL, when they're investigating, you know, when they're investigating Washington, they didn't really uh, put too much out there, right? There was there was all these requests for, hey, release the report. They said there was no report. So, you know, how much do you think the NFL, if any, will will kind of let some of the information out? Well, I think that's probably a good place to go for those, you know, Raiders fans trying to figure out what's going to happen here. The NFL, uh, I mean, for better or for worse, did a pretty good job of buttoning that thing up. There was no report. They allegedly looked at all of the Gruden, uh, you know, the Gruden emails. Uh, those emails, I think, were known or at least were publicly or at least available to the NFL to inspect, I think, is, you know, mid-2021. And those weren't leaked until 2022, um, you know, at least towards, uh, you know, at least a couple months later. So the NFL tries to keep these things buttoned up. We'll see if they hire and they make these big announcements, like we've retained X uh, former lawyer to investigate this. Um, usually, it's it's pretty it's done behind closed scenes. Even the punishment, um, Dan Snyder, uh, at least if you you believe the rumors and innuendo, was basically told by the NFL to stay away from the team, and his wife Tanya Snyder took over operating control. So Snyder's been away. Um, so I don't. There was no official punishment that Snyder's been told to leave, but. Optics were that he stopped hanging around the team, stopped going to owners' meetings. So, you know, we'll see. You know, Roger Goodell has a bag of tricks. He's not required to be transparent for, for any reason here. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the uh, Gruden situation was the Raiders' fault. Obviously, that occurred before he was with the team. Right. Um, but the fact that, you know, it, it kind of, it's two, kind of two incidents, you know, since Gruden left and then the president left and then you know, now another interim president's leaving, I think the NFL is going to have to deal with this very carefully, make a, a high-profile hire to investigate this. Um, and we'll see. Uh, I don't. I don't see this uh, necessarily going to Congress, but those guys are investigating, like you know, toxic workplaces in, in the NFL. So, I mean, that's the worst case scenario that the uh, Raiders get brought into that. Um, you know, the NFL is poking around, or Congress is poking around the NFL, and at least on its face, from the little we know, this might have some of the Venn diagram of elements over at Washington. So, uh, I mean, that's some, something to at least pay attention to. Talking right now with sports attorney Daniel Luss here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Devon in the home studio has got one for you. Yeah, speaking of Washington and Daniel Snyder, this is might not be a legal question, but just your personal opinions on the matter. <laughs> How does Papa John factor into all this? Um, I saw that. I know what you're referencing. I saw that crazy story over the weekend. Um I'm not sure how much credibility we can give Papa John at this point. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> right? Is a, is a, I, I, I saw this. Like, Papa John is a ploy to take down. I'm like, is Papa John an NFL insider? Papa John, or is this the pizza guy, Papa John? Um, yeah, if you, you, know, you believe the the streets that uh, Papa John was part of some takedowns to try to get Goodell out, but I think Goodell is Teflon. I, I think Goodell is impenetrable. They pay that guy so much money. And again, for better or for worse, he's a pretty good punching bag. The guy deflects, you know, even a guy like Snyder, uh, still hanging around the league. So, uh, Roger Goodell's, you know, the thing that he's best at is protecting these owners. Uh, so they can say they dislike him, but proof's in the pudding, right? I, I think the NFL has uh, done very well under his watch. And, mm -hmm. you know, his owners have done some bad things, at least allegedly, and no one's gotten in trouble. So, 
Uh, I'm not sure uh, I want to take Papa John's word for it that uh, he's an unpopular guy over there. He's got his own issues. <laughs> he, he's got his own issues that nobody's forgotten about, so I don't really know what he's uh, talking about, but that's also interesting. I will say this, to, to Goodell's credit, uh, I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, obviously, it's great for the owners, but he's made them a ton of money. You know, he's made them a ton of money, and at the end of the day, we would always know it's always about the money. If they can make that money, they're going to definitely make it, and Roger Goodell has helped them do that in a major way. Right, right. I mean, the other thing with the insider, which is just to not forget about the Washington stuff, there's an allegation that he kind of stole money from other owners with this mm-hmm. kind of like ticket scheme, you know, to hide, cook the books and whatnot. That's very different. Right. Um, you know, gender-based uh, allegations, racial-based allegations, th- those are, you know, very serious and of their own right, but it's not necessarily stealing money from other owners. So until money starts to be involved, like we had on our show, we had a segment, who, who's more likely to get booted as owner, Mark Davis or Dan Snyder? And the consensus was, Dan Snyder, because at the end of the day, the owners get to decide, right? There's a vote amongst the owners who, if, if a certain owner is going to get kicked out of the league. Um, stealing money from other owners, I mean, that's a, a cardinal sin. You know, racial discrimination, gender discrimination, all really bad. Um, but, like, you know, Dan Snyder has survived. This is a new allegation of financial element. So I think the combination of, you know, the, the toxic workplace stuff with Snyder plus the allegedly stealing money from other owners, the combination of the two I think puts him in a different ballpark than you know the, what we know about Mark Davis at this point. Yeah, it feels like he's definitely on an island all by himself, you know, and uh, and somehow he's still the king of that island. He's just doing his own thing and uh, just sitting out there floating in the middle of the ocean. But uh, he's he's making it happen. Before we let you go, my man, Demond's got one more for you. Yeah, Chris Paul last night with the Dallas Mavericks and Phoenix Suns game, he had an issue with some fans harassing his family. Is there any recourse for players to take to protect their family besides fans getting escorted out of the game after the fact? The comment I kept hearing uh, is that he that this uh, young fan put put his hands on on Chris Paul's mom. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. been confirmed at this point. I haven't seen any video of it, but certainly if if there was a physical altercation, there is recourse for maybe not Chris Paul, but the member of his family that got into some altercation. Um, you know, I, I've seen it both ways. Certainly, Malice of the Palace of players uh, were, were trying to get charged with with criminal offenses there, and then you know you go the other way with like Kyrie Irving last year. When some fan threw a bottle at him in the stands, the fan got charged with a felony. So we'll see. If you really put hands on someone else, um, a civil lawsuit, criminal liability, I just haven't seen the video. I haven't seen it confirmed, but obviously the family was removed from the arena. The whole son's bench was staring at him. Uh, the, the kid, I think it was his mom, was uh, trying to get between him and the son's bench. Kind of a, a weird scene, something you don't see that often. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, again, I, I think it's it's – but leaning towards maybe some liability on behalf of, of the fan here if you really put hands on someone else. But, again, it's a little premature. I don't think we know all the facts yet. Well, Mark Stein just put out a tweet saying the Mavericks have banned two fans from their home arena until 2023 in the wake of the fan incident with Chris Paul's family during Sunday's Game 4. Until 2023. So there you go. <laughs> don't come back until next season, uh, you know, until the 2023 calendar year. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's that. Well, Daniel, great stuff. As always, my man, I'd I love to reach out to you and just kind of get some clarity because, obviously, I don't know things from a legal standpoint, and so I'd like to hear from you and, and, and you know, kind of the steps that are being taken in one situation to the next situation, and this is just the latest in uh, many situations that happen in sports. Uh, I know you got a lot coming out. you got podcasts, and you're, you're going on shows. What do you got coming up that we need to be able to look out for? Uh, we have a special college sports edition of Conduct Detrimental. There's a lot of upheaval on the NIL front. The NCAA is about to get involved, so we'll have an episode that comes out tomorrow. Mm. All things college sports. 
And I like that you guys trust me that I know what's going on with Papa John's. I think that's a testament to my internet sleuthing. <laughs> I, uh, I, will, I will say, I know, I know everything. I know a little bit about everything. Hey, man, we, we know who to go to, man. We got, we, we're dialed in around here, and we appreciate you being dialed in as well. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. All right, there he goes. Daniel Lust, sports attorney, does a fantastic job. You hear him on Fox. You hear him on ESPN. He's got his own shows that he does. He does a fantastic job. And, uh, again, just like to get a little bit of clarity because we just don't know. And it's obviously a big story, uh, but it's a big story that you really can't go into great detail about and continue to talk about until we find out more and more details. But now we know what the next step. We know that the NFL is trying to make a next step. And so we'll do like everyone else is doing, sitting back and watching to see how it all shakes out. Many thanks to Daniel Lust for uh, giving us a few minutes of his time right there coming up next i i joined nate hobbs and his mom denisa on saturday for a few minutes as they were part of a a cool little charity event a, a safe house event uh domestic violence for you know women it's a it's a safe home for them uh women that have been uh, victims of domestic violence and nate hobbs is very much involved in it so i got a couple minutes to talk to him i talked to his mom and i talked to beth who is part of safe house you'll hear that conversation it's just a few minutes you'll hear that conversation coming up next here on radio nation radio 920 Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Daniel Lust, who joined us in the last segment. Sports attorney. Anytime I have anything that's some kind of legalities, I always reach out to Daniel because he's got a pretty good pulse on what's going on, and I do not. So I just kind of want to get a little clarity. And, of course, the situation going on with the Raiders is not something that we'll dwell on. Uh, but it's something that as we find out information, we'll, of course, pass it on to you. That's part of our job. That's what we'll do around here regardless. Like I said before, uh, good, bad, and ugly, we'll bring it to you uh, no matter what it is, but we'll bring you facts. That's what we do around here. Coming up at 3 o'clock, Mike Sando from The Athletic will join the show to talk about the Raiders draft class, talk about the AFC West draft class, and what executives around the league thought of them. Not what you know, not with guys like myself and DeMond or the John McClains or other guys think about the draft classes, but what executives around the league, the guys who are in the trenches, the guys that are, are seeing these players go off the off the board, he's those are the ones that'll be uh, those are the ones that'll be talking about and did talk about uh, these these uh, draft classes again according to Mike Sando. So right now I want to let you hear a conversation I had uh, with Nate Hobbs and his mother and also uh, Beth from Safe House. It was on Saturday. He was part of an event where they were feeding mothers that were victims of domestic violence and some of their children were there as well. And so really cool event and meant a lot to Nate's mom in particular that he was involved in that. So here's that conversation. Here at Safe House right now with Denisa and Nate Hobbs and also Beth, who uh, represents Safe House. And uh, Nate Hobbs, obviously cornerback for the for the Las Vegas Raiders. And Denise, the, the mother of Nate Hobbs. And this is Mother's Day weekend. And so let's just start things off with uh, Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. I appreciate it. So this is a really good event that Nate was a part of. You were a part of earlier with Safe House and teaming up with a bunch of mothers and children around the area. How important was that for you to be able to see your son be able to give back and serve the community uh, because he's in that kind of a power, uh, a position to be able to do that? It was wonderful. Um, I Jokingly, my, my oldest son tells me that a lot of times they were voluntold to do things. But, <laughs> we all were. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as they've gotten older, you know, Nathan actually was going to come to um, Kentucky to see me for Mother's Day. And I thought, you know, um, I know we wanted to partner with Bam Family. He's like, oh, yeah, no, you can come out here and then we'll do this. And so it was it was it's one of my core values and something I've tried to um to pass along to my children so it was wonderful it warmed my heart. 
Oh, I can tell. I can tell. I see the see the the rosy look on your face. You gave Nate a nice big kiss on camera a little earlier. So just to see, you know, it, it's it's so funny. My mom tells me all the time, you know, just to see your children go and do something, and you know that they're doing it the right way. That's got to make you feel good as a mother, knowing that you did what you had to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I just, you know, I always want to be a part of their lives. Not too, not too much. I'll cut the apron strings, but if <laughs> when they allow me to, and just to move into this role of being a counselor to all of my children, they're all older now. Um, but it's been a blessing, and I love it, and I appreciate him for allowing me to help. Beth, how big is this for you, for Safe House, for having uh, someone with the name of Nate Hobbs and, and the celebrity of a Nate Hobbs to be able to come out and help represent? It's really awesome. Mother's Day is a special time for us here because the vast majority of domestic violence victims are women. And so the majority of our clients we serve are women with children. And so many of them are isolated because of the situation that they were in. And they really think about, like, nobody really cares about me. And so to see somebody come to our shelter, serve them food, serve them a great meal, talk with them about their life. It gives them hope about the future that they have and the steps that they're taking to make their life better as well. I'm sure you saw a lot of smiles on your face earlier today. Oh, definitely. I mean, the moms were just ear to ear grin so grateful um the kids were having a great time it was a wonderful experience for sure no doubt about it and nate i mean just being able to put your name on it and and hear even the joy in your mom's voice that you were giving back to the community and being a part of this what did that mean to you um it wasn't even so much that i could put my name on it was just i just wanted to be a part mm-hmm. of helping them and, and and giving them a great mother's day weekend something they won't forget and, you know just putting some joy in somebody's heart Somebody else's heart, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's all I was, you know, here for. Well, you know, ever since you came into the league, I remember when you got drafted and you first met with us, the media, uh, you know, just at the first press conference, it's kind of like you had something about you where you just knew that you had a bigger purpose than just what you were being drafted to do. For sure, for sure. I, I know um, I'm fortunate with this opportunity I have, and I thank God put me here for a reason. And I'm not, like, I wasn't just, you know, prepared to play football. I think I'll just put... For her to you know help people, inspire people, and just give them a helping hand. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, um, if I could do that, it doesn't even matter what I do in the field. For real, of course I got my goals, and I'm you know gonna try to achieve them. But I think it's bigger than that. So, how much does this lady across from us inspire you? Man, she's 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 my why. She's why I do yeah. everything I do. She's the reason why I am this way. She um, she's done a great job my whole life. She's the person that you know, I lean on about everything. Yeah. So everything you see me doing, <laughs> everything um, I've done, you owe it, owe it to her. You know what I'm saying? How important was this to get it done and, and do this on Mother's Day weekend as well and be able to really represent and, and show your mom and other moms around there as well? Yeah, it was super important. Like I said, I was going to go home and see her, but I got um, blessed with this opportunity, and I was like, there was no way I could you know, pass it up. So I Went ahead, told her she can come out here and we could serve these ladies. And I'm just so grateful I got to do that and um, just put a smile on people's face. You got a couple goals for the season? Maybe uh, bring a couple of those game balls to mom? <laughs> yeah, you had yeah. a couple last year. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I got a couple. Um, hopefully I get a couple more and we can stack over the years. And then I might give some to her. I don't know. <laughs> she can have whatever she wants. I heard that. Well, Nate, we appreciate you being part of the community. I know Safe House appreciates you. Denisha, great job with Nate and the rest of your children as well. And happy Mother's Day. And uh, th- thank you for the time, my man. Appreciate you, man. There he goes right there. Nate Hobbs, Beth, and Denisa.
Hobbs. I've said her name three different ways when I was talking to him. I felt so bad. I said Denisa, Denise, and Denisha. Like, I couldn't get it right, man. It's like I had a, a hip-hop group or something, you know? Uh, the three Ds and triple D, whatever you want to call it. I was, I was messing it all up, but uh, I do appreciate them giving me a few minutes. And, you know, I could have talked some – I could have talked 10, 15 more minutes with Nate just talking about football, but I figured, you know what, we got the whole offseason. We've got the whole training camp, all that good time to talk to Nate about football. We could do that. Just thought it was important to talk about Mother's Day and what it meant with his, uh, his work with Safe House. 258 is the time. When we come back, we'll uh, kick into hour number two. We'll be talking to Mike Sando from The Athletic, talking about draft classes. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.